You're listening to The One Room with a View Show. With Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to The One Room with a View Show with me, Christopher Preston, and joining me today is Fake News. It's Mr. Dan Orton. Uh. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, Don. <laughs> Don Alton there. <laughs> Tremendous podcast. <laughs> it's going to be a huge year for us. Uh, huge. It's Happy New Year, in fact, actually. Yes, it's our first yes, one. I haven't seen you since before. This is Dan Alton, by the way. Yes, Thank sorry. Yes, Cheers, Prez. Yes, uh, President Trump there um, joining us very briefly. Got, got a lot to do, but still... Piers Morgan thought time. he had the scoop that we actually had. <laughs> Talking of scoops, what's going to come up on today's show? I'm glad you asked. Um, it is, it is fake, news, uh, fake News Central here this morning. We really got before anyone like Breitbart CNN <laughs> we've been promoting fake news since 2010 you heard it here first or did you <laughs> who can say uh, yes yeah, so this month we nicked that one from Empire didn't we <laughs> this month <laughs> can't be proved this month we are uh, looking some film old some film new is all the president's men from 1976 and um, from just this month uh, our, fil- our new film is The Post uh, both films centred around Washington Post investigations into into government shenanigans into dastardly dealings and and yeah and conspiracies we're also on the flip side we're bringing back Daz describing films i believe yeah. bob has got <laughs> he's got his own fake news got to, some to pedal. <laughs> yep can't wait can't wait live from washington and we thought whilst we're talking you know we're going to spend a long time talking about um, Conspiracy theories and journalistic investigations. And yeah, I was going to say governments. it's lovely to see your aluminum um, uh, kind of uh, hat back on, which is really <laughs> thank nice. You, yep, thank you very much. To cheer, th- cheer us up a little bit, we're going to sort of look ahead at all the wonderful films that are coming out over the next twelve months, providing yes. we're still here, providing we make it through, and you know, nuclear war doesn't waste us all. And last things last, of we've course. got. I can't even remember what the title of. It. Oh, well, I'd, I'd, we don't know what you're saying, but it looks bloody good. That's yes. back. It's back. Our foreign film feature. Post Brexit. <laughs> Shall we crack on? Yes, let's. <laughs> Some film old. Some film new. Thank you, Chris. So, yes, as I said at the top of the show, um, Some film old. Some film new this month is All the President's Men from 1976. And alongside that, The Post, which was released. In the UK, um, just a couple of weeks ago, as of recording, uh, but I think came out in the States just before Christmas. One of Spielberg's quickest sort of productions Yeah, and we ever. need to talk about that, I think, as well. Although I had never seen All the President's Men before today's podcast. Really? And I've been meaning to get around to it forever anyway, because it's our editor and friend, Mr. David Brakes, one of his favourite movies. Mm. But also, this is one of the very few films, and actually there's a kind of nice mirror to a feature that we'll be doing later on, where we've discussed this movie very shortly before. We did it for the 40th anniversary for Expression, if yes, you remember. We, yes, but we You did. just kind of teased yeah. it then. Yes. Yeah, and from I've, there I've on in, I've been uh, yeah. hoping to kind of actually catch it. So this was a wonderful opportunity to catch up. Yeah. So I'll kick things off with, with plots of both films, yeah. um, just in case anyone's not familiar. Uh, All the President's Men, um, directed by Alan J. Pakula, uh, written by William Goldman, who also wrote The Princess, Princess Bride, Bride, one yeah. of my favourite films, stars Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, Jason Robards, and I have to mention Jane Alexander. She's one of the only women in the film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she plays an incredibly (laughs) crucial role within the film. She's Um, Nixon, isn't she? she, she (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, yes, she is. Uh, So this, this, uh, All the President's Men, based on the book by Carl Bernstein and, and Bob Woodward, follows the efforts of um, the two, those two men, Woodward and Bernstein, they're Washington Post reporters, and they are basically fresh and hungry, reporters. fresh and hungry, green, and they 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 are um, basically out to uncover. Well, they do as the film basically follows the events of them uncovering the Watergate scandal, which um, which is what ultimately brought down Richard Nixon's presidency. I think the word unpick might be even better <laughs> because they're basically two detectives, aren't they? In this, oh, it's, I mean, it's what, a wonderful depiction of investigative journalism. Yeah, like it's 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 a great journalism film, and I remember you saying before about what a wonderful journalism film. But it's kind mm. of an even better, almost like noirish detective story. Yeah, well, it's a political thriller, isn't it? And the, what the best thing is that it's actually, I mean, it's all happened. Mm. It's not, you know, Unlike that, the Simpsons depiction, you know, when they talk about political thrillers and Homer's there going, oh, political. <laughs> like, this one's actually a thriller that, that manages to thrill you. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a really great um, movie. Uh, so Robert Redford 
uh, is Woodward. Dustin Hoffman is Carl Bernstein. Uh, as you said, there these there's these fresh fresh reporters out on the trail of 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 of, of seemingly a very uh, a story that uh, that people don't the editors don't think is of any real consequence. Someone mm. is apparently people have broken into the Democratic uh, National Headquarters. What of it? You know, there's you know, just just a random burglary, but but then things begin to spiral. What about the post, though, Dan? Because the, the post is somewhat of a prequel. Well, I was say, isn't this is it? essentially this is this is a prequel, really, um, and a wonderful companion. But there couldn't really be two two better films to talk about, I think, in a, in one podcast. So the post is again uh, another story from from the Washington Post newsroom. This one centers on their attempts just a couple of years before Watergate. This is the Phantom Menace, um, isn't it, where Nixon is, is rising? <laughs> yes. his, his apprentice, Darth Spiro Agnew. Darth Trump. Uh, Darth Trump, yeah. Um, no, sadly not. This is the, the Washington Post's efforts, and indeed, actually, to their credit, you know, this is the New York Times as well. This is generally uh, the American press, um, their fight against the government to publish what was known as the Pentagon Papers, classified documents, which basically revealed um, everything. Lot, <laughs> every, the, the U.S. government's entire involvement for like the past thirty years. Was it four thousand pages? They said something in there? ridiculous Madness. like that. In, it basically, unve- uh, basically reveals um, again the the back backroom deals and and um, shenanigans of the government, basically uh, into or governments. Involved. That's governments, the thing. It's just, terrifying, well, it's, isn't it? It's various different administrations. Is it three or four presidents. Four presidents uh, going back thirty years and. It's basically America's involvement in Vietnam and 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 the disastrous uh, intervention Fallout, really, yeah. into the Vietnam War. This exactly. one's directed by Steven Spielberg, which yeah, you mentioned small before. Up and coming. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it sounds like he did it basically for homework, wasn't it? It's, this is like an, uh, an extra credit kind of project. He was well, he was already working on Ready Player One. Yeah, um, and I think this was done during <laughs> during post production or something of Ready yeah. Player One. It's inc- it's an incredible turnaround. So there was a spec script written by um, a woman called Liz Hanna. Uh, Spielberg saw it, loved it. He obviously feels in any interviews I've read with Spielberg about this film in the run up to it coming out, he, he obviously cares deeply about what the current administration is doing and their the administration's feelings towards the mainstream media. I think Spielberg basically saw this as an opportunity to say, you know, look, this is you know the press is important. Mm. Um, here's why. Yeah, and what I like the fact, what I actually did like about the post is, aside from the final kind of couple of minutes, it doesn't slap you around the face too much with it. I think it actually does to its detriment in typical Spielberg fashion. Say, there's in there's Spielberg a slow fashion. zoom in and this little bugle playing in the background. It gets a little, a uh, little um, twee and sentimental twee towards the end. There's a bit. Um as Catherine Graham walks down the steps of the Supreme Court and it's, she's just surrounded by women and I thought that was a little bit on the nose yeah um, but she has some wonderful she has some wonderful lines uh, I love um, I love Spielberg's reverence of all the president's men in that this movie closes with the with exact the opening, opening yes, credits the opening of scenes all the of all president's, president's men, men which yeah. was a wonderful recreation yeah. But also, and I wanted to ask you, because you've got good eyes and you love your little trivia, <laughs> there's a poster of a Robert Redford movie in the film as Tom Hanks is walking down, and I swear to God, it's all the president's men. It shouldn't be, and I don't, because obviously the movie wouldn't no, exist film, for years. The film, well, I mean, just interestingly, all the president's men came out in '76. Yeah, Nixon resigned in '74, so it was this. All the president's men only came out two years after the, you know, one of the greatest. One of the biggest scandal, political scandals in American history. Perhaps you could email us in about that, though, because I know I saw a Robert Redford poster in the post, and I looked on IMDb afterwards, you know, those little fun oh, facts, right. and I didn't see anything no, about I, it. I missed that one. So do it, it podcast at oneroomwithaview.com. Let's see if we can find out. <laughs> I imagine Carl Bernstein is on his typewriter as we speak. <laughs> An analyst, always has been. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, I mean... I should say my description there of the post plot is a little bit um, lacking. I should point out that so the, the the New York Times, which had something of a friendly rivalry with with the Washington Post, yeah, it feels like a Derby match, scoops, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's one of <clears> sort of great look back at, at the uh, the competitiveness of the um, newspaper industry in those days, and still now, I, I, actually. But what what um, Spielberg and, and Liz Hanna and and the other screenwriter Josh Singer and the, and I think indeed everyone involved. What makes the Washington Post side of the story far more interesting is Catherine Graham, who is the publisher of the Washington Post, played by Meryl Streep, the first female publisher of any major newspaper in America. Mm. And the Washington Post at this point is on the eve of going 
public going to public ownership. It's been in the Graham family for, uh, well, well, not, sorry, Catherine Graham's um, father. Uh, she, he, he, his, his grandfather owned, uh, bought the company. It's been in their family for for generations. She's about to make it go public and sell shares and and she's a somewhat reluctant um kind of company leader isn't she in that she's kind of inherited it whereas her father basically gives it to her husband mm. to, to run and then he dies and she takes over yeah and no one thinks she can do it because it's the 70s and she's a woman yeah um, but th- they're forgetting that she is in fact Meryl Streep so <laughs> of course I, I thought that yeah, they, they're forgetting that she was Margaret Thatcher and uh, <laughs> you know she was, she had this eye and if I could I don't know if I, if I was going to describe a, yes, a, yeah. a, a composite um, I did shudder a few times thinking this movie is depicting a time that wasn't that long ago and it does mm. feel doesn't it like particularly I suppose with the Me Too movement and, and everything that's been coming out in the press the last kind of couple of years really you know, I, I, and obviously that's purposeful, but it did make me think, bloody hell, this is only supposed to be about 40 years ago. <laughs> Which did make me feel somewhat terrified, but... Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. What did you think, though? I, I, I watched the post last night and then I watched uh, All the President's Men first thing this morning which was a lovely it was almost well, that's like the way you have to it watch together. it yeah. it was like it was like the journalistic equivalent of what we spoke about doing Rogue One and then you knew Hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. but... I did think that all the president's men seemed to expose, as well as Nixon, the flaws in the post, which I thought was a. I still, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the post. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was a bit of a, a bland. Well, the, the post is the post is fine. Mm. Um, yeah, that's the great word for it. And I, I don't know. I mean, I came away not really feeling. Um, well, I wasn't sure. Is this film about about the Pentagon Papers? Uh, and the paper's sort of decision to, kind, you know, to, to is it is it about the investigation into them and the race against time to get them published and the fight uh, against the government to to have them released? Yeah. Or is it about Catherine Graham being the woman in this powerful position? And and, and, and Spielberg it tries to do it. both and and doesn't quite pull off either. Either in a, in a very satisfying way. It certainly, I think. Um, it's my favourite Spielberg film in a while. I didn't, I didn't enjoy Bridge of Spies. No, so I thought it was better than Bridge of Spies, um, but I don't think that that's saying much, to be honest with you. But uh, what it does, it does set the bar, though, yes. What it does share with Bridge of Spies, though, is just a bland Tom Hanks performance, and I and I think that that's a word that I would say about the post is that when this kind of news story that came out. Oh, by the way, Spielberg did this in like quarter of an hour between <laughs> takes on uh, Ready, Ready Player One. Reminds me a lot of these kind of things when I think Elton John said this recently. Um, about one of his most recent albums and he was like yeah it took me like a week to write and they say that as like a as something to kind of lure you in but actually you're like yeah and that's why it's rubbish because you've taken no time with it and I did feel like the post had been kicked out I didn't feel like there was nuance I'd say this is one of the worst edited movies I've seen in years there were so many continuity errors it feels like it's been rushed to it is been rushed to get it into the Categories uh, into the window for Oscars this year, which yeah. is a shame because is. why not leave it? Why not spend more time on it and just let it come out, um, you know, for next year's window? But I, I can understand. I mean, obviously, as I say, Spielberg saw an opportunity here to really kind of stick, uh, you know, stick a middle finger up at Trump. Basically, I'd rather he uh, just done that. I mean, he could, he could, he could, have, he could have done that. even just as effective. An yeah, hour and a half of Spielberg just <laughs> ranting at Trump. Yeah, and <laughs> um, would have been great. I think that would have won Best Picture. And you wouldn't have had to pay for Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, and she was bland in it as well. Uh, like, Meryl Streep being nominated this this year, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Oscars um, in a later podcast, she's just got nominated just because she's Meryl Streep. I didn't think she did anything spectacular in this movie. Uh, and and I, I'm not necessarily putting the criticism at her door. I just think it is one of these movies that's been rushed out, it's been clipped together from various things like, right, everyone's worried about the press at the moment, so we can jump on the zeitgeist. Yeah. We'll bung Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in it, because then it will get Oscars. It it just it didn't really work for me. It, it could have been a lot better. And I have to say, I mean, I, I was very... I was very disappointed that we didn't get some kind of courtroom drama towards the end and it was all very much didn't you think um, it finished it finished so prematurely i felt like it kind of we if there's one thing that the, that the post does well uh, and so does all the president's men it kind of felt like that natural tick-tocking tension that's mm. kind of permeating through then all of a sudden it ended i mean some of the best i mean all of best, a sudden i was actually watching all the president's men some of the best bits are um 
it, the bits in Bradley's house where they have the papers and they're going through them and they're, and and that like you're just watching journalism and um it reminds me there's a great scene and because I, I, I told you before we recorded this I watched this recently as well in in Spotlight where they're just doing the very kind of basic journalist stuff of inputting an Excel sheet yeah um which is great because and it, it shows it, the hard and, graft and, it, and it, yeah it shows the graft and and does it in an engaging way mm. and there was just something about that particular set of scenes you know you've yeah got, i mean you've got bradley's kid going around selling lemonade to them all it's quite fun and, and oh, i like the, the fact the price the, keeps going the, yeah, up the and... lawyer turns up and is like what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> i need to make a call <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They, are these the papers well the post Jesus is a, is a somewhat of a breaking bad reunion isn't there um you've got oh uh, yeah <laughs> you've got uh, is it a uh, saul goodman gail and todd yes are they all, all in pop it. up yeah they all pop up sarah paulson sadly wasted as Bradley's wife in this yeah, film, she's only in a few scenes and just kind of serves sandwiches. Isn't it? Sarah Paulson can count, which is great. We learned that in the film. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what what you're saying about Spielberg. Kind of like what what kind of role are we are we playing here? We tr- if we're showing the importance of femininity and we're talking about the uh, role of women in the destruction of patriarchy, then you've got Sarah Paulson wandering around with some sandwiches. Yeah, that seemed like a strange. And Bradley, thing. who I believe, I mean, I could. Uh, I'm, uh, heard <laughs> that he? I mean, he, he left her for a, woman, a younger reporter in the newsroom. Oh, lovely! <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah, that, that 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 was on the cutting room floor. Uh, I think. Yes. Um, uh, Tom Hanks is a good Bradley, I think. Mm. Uh, He's a bit too kind of uh, grizzled, voicey <laughs> though. It did feel a little bit like Tom Hanks is um, too nice. Odenkirk is great as uh, Ben uh, Bag sure. Dakian. Um, <laughs> um, Uh, the guy who goes but I mean the the sort of the tracking down of the papers doesn't take too much yeah Um, his character even says to the source he's like look I didn't it's not difficult it wasn't difficult so who else follow the breadcrumbs yeah Um, it's not quite the sort of all the presence men level of like putting the pieces together there's a great line in all the presence men where I think um, Woodward says you know we've got We've got all the puzzle pieces, but we just don't. We haven't got the picture on the box to sort of work out how they all go. Well, together. that's the way that I thought it was different. Was that you've got all the president's men, which is like trying to do a jigsaw, reassemble something without instructions. Whereas the post felt like an IKEA kind of pamphlet. Like, oh, by the way, all you have to do is follow the pictures A to B to C to D to E, mm. and at the end, hopefully, Oscars. Yes. Uh, I just. I, I mean, all the post is all just there. too bland. The post is all there for the very last scene, and I mean, I will say, um, I do enjoy the scenes in the post where. You see the paper being put together. You see, go to the print. They actually go to the mm. printing. But back in the days where papers actually had their printing presses in the basement of the of the newsroom. Oh yeah, that's lovely. Um, the assembling and, of and, that. And you see these wonderful close-up. You know, Spielberg puts a lot of effort and uh, a great eye for detail into how the papers, are, the pages are constructed with the the how the, the the words are put out in the printing blocks and and the how the you know how the, it all basically all comes together and then it all gets printed through and. That, I mean, that, that's a nice touch. And then at the very end, the, you know, Graham and Bradley are in the newsroom, uh, in the printing room, and they're talking about it. And this is where the film has been heading to. We're not, you know, forget Graham's fight for, you know, the, the, feminist, the feminist thing. Forget the sort of... Um, the, the, their, their trying the to sheer get, bureaucracy the bureaucracy of, of it all, shares. the Supreme Court, Nixon. This is all about... This is all culminating in um, Meryl Streep's character saying, uh, you know, we don't always get it right, yeah, but... We should still we should still keep at it, and that's what we, all we can do, isn't it? We can just keep doing it because the news is a, the first draft of history. Yeah, that's what our old man said, um, and that's what it all goes to. And that, I mean, that is incredible. That's that's very true. It is, and I just um, wish, as you said, very that noble. We we if we'd have taken more time for this film to have been produced and actually have made it centred perhaps more around her rather than the story because otherwise it is just a, all, an, a weaker All the President's Men with mm. a couple of subplots in it and that's what the post I think ends up becoming there are some nice bits about it like the fact that Nixon is actually Nixon in it in the same way that he is in All the President's Men that voiceover is oh yeah it's great that they've actually got it. yeah the, the, his, the actual Although tapes I, I Thank, wish, thanks to Nixon taping everything I wish that <laughs> Actually, I, <laughs> like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I wish that they got Frank Langella back though, just to have united the Frost Nixon as well. There be no <laughs> I, am I think Frank Langella just watched the Simpsons version of Nixon. And thought, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and that would have been a lovely unification of those three movies. 
but uh, you're right. Langella. It, it's funny because uh, the po- what the post does do well as well, as you said, is it puts this kind of uh, almost painstaking attention on the the uh, the construction of journalism mm. um, in its kind of most physical grafting way. Uh, and I like that because in All the President's Men, I thought the, All the President's Men was actually quite a cool companion to a film that I think came out the same year or certainly around it of Network, yes, which is a movie yeah. that's so kind of loud and brash and flamboyant and talking about television. All the President's Men seemed a far more deft, uh, more adult and mature, um, almost more snobby kind of look into <laughs> into journalism. Uh, and the post feels like the anti-BuzzFeed movie of the moment you know where anyone can apparently be a journalist anyone can kind of put something on twitter and see it go viral yeah and call it journalism in inverted commas yeah. and no, i think there's the... a lot of hard graft that goes into journalism as dis- as shown by the post and and mm. all the president's men should we talk more about all the president's men yes and any flaws from i mean i one of the things one of the big things about all the president's men is that it only covers the first seven months of their investigation yeah and then, it's and somewhat microwaved and, that. And then, yeah and then at the end uh, the goldman decides for whatever reason i mean i think he won the oscar for this screenplay uh, i think so yeah and but then the, the film itself was just nominated he, I think. he does for whatever reason decides oh yeah we're just gonna do the first seven months and then um everything else can be done very quickly in two minutes with uh with all the news, the news alerts on the typewriter basically depicting everything that happened which is a shame it is uh, a real shame I mean, we get Jason Rope so uh, the actor Jason late Jason Robards plays Ben Bradley in this one the, the role played by Tom Hanks in the post um, won an Oscar for that mm. so and he gets it's a shame great... old guy couldn't have got in on that really <laughs> instead of getting Tom Hanks <laughs> and you he get gets, Guy uh... Henry playing <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't available. He wasn't. No, uh, Holby City tied him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and fleeing from me in London. Yeah. Guy, uh, Guy Henry is Peter Cushing <laughs> as Tom Hanks as as Jason Robards, <laughs> Ben Bradley. Uh, yeah, in <laughs> just a Rubik's cube of an actor. <laughs> the many faces of Guy Henry. No, Jason Robards gets that great monologue at the end. <laughs> Sorry, it's that an image of him in like an asylum, just <laughs> screaming at that point. <laughs> Who am I? Just, just screaming lines from all the films. Yeah. There'll be no questions on the, on the Death Star. Jesus Christ. I don't know what this podcast's become. <laughs> oh. oh, dear me. Sorry, uh, Gary. To, 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 you know, retain some decorum. Yeah. I'm I'm like the network was, to your all the president's men. To, I was trying to I was trying to praise the wonder the the the, the, uh, the, the, the dignified and nuanced performance of Jason Robards, Academy Award winning <laughs> performance as Ben Bradley sure. in the final scenes of uh, All the President's Men, and you're there bellowing like Nixon, <laughs> bellowing like Guy Henry, <laughs> playing Nixon, playing <laughs> playing everyone else. Uh, no, you're right, and I d- I do think uh, also because All the President's Men does seem to take its time in getting off the ground. Mm. It does feel like almost the first third is a little bit kind of a- an assembling uh, of something that then really yeah, does take like, off. You know, there's something like 22 phone calls in this film. I wouldn't be. Well, I think Robert <laughs> Redford was like making them in the first 15 minutes, wasn't he? It was it was almost like the phone version of like scanning through someone's Instagram. <laughs> Uh, that in it, in itself is interesting, but it, it only catches light at that point. There's a few kind of ad mini scenes at the very very beginning, um, which I think could have been cut, and I would rather have had that time go at the end mm. rather than, as you say, that just kind of typing. And we're just reading, you know. I really would like to read the book because, obviously, as I say, the film doesn't cover everything, and 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 there's a lot more in the book by all accounts. You know, G- Goldman really did sort of. You know, not in a bad way, yeah. But you know, you t- 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 had to hack it up a bit. Um, I wanted to go back to Jane Alexander briefly, uh, who was also nominated for an Oscar, didn't win, but she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and she has something like eight minutes of screen time. Yeah, she's great though, isn't she? Two scenes where she she plays the bookkeeper, um, who basically not, along not with, her way along with along with Deep Throat is is one of the is one of the crucial sources of the uh, of the story that kind of explodes the whole thing and 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 reveals the extent to which you know uh, th- th- how far this conspiracy goes, and, and it, you know how it reaches all the way to Nixon. Um, Terrifying scenes, though, that she's in. I, they kind of remind me. I think it, I, even the lighting reminded me somewhat of The Exorcist for some reason. You know, they shot it in in 
the actual woman's house. Really? So, so Jane Alexander met with her. I can't remember her name, unfortunately, and they don't name her in the film, which is uh, which is not helping. Yeah. But shallow um, throat. <laughs> but they, she met with her before the filming, and then they, they, the, the filmmakers managed to find her old house in Washington. I bet she opened the door <laughs> like, <laughs> what else is going on? They, they rented. They shouldn't live there anymore. They yeah. rented it off the current owners and just like we're going to film. That's amazing. Which is incredible. That is um, a lovely... Because if there's one thing that all the presidents meant, and there's loads of things it gets uh, gets right, but there is such a keen attention to detail in that movie. There is. They hired... Apparently, so um, Ben Bradley or Catherine Graham wouldn't let them film in the newsroom. Or well, they tried to film in the newsroom. Right. But all the journalists they were using you know, would, would, would be like trying to act. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get anyone to just act normally. They all, you know, they'd be going off into bathrooms and doing their makeup and coming back and they'd be, you know, yeah. overacting. <laughs> like Pennywise in the background. Uh, <laughs> who's that? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Your float <laughs> in the background. Um, so they had to go, they reconstructed the entire Washington Post newsroom. Um, well, not the entire, they, they, the production designers did this incredibly clever uh, forced perspective set. So, oh, cool. right, you know, it looks much vaster than it really was. Um, but they reconstructed it on a studio set, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars by all accounts on getting like desks that perfectly matched the ones that were in the in the newsroom. Oh wow! Um, and and just and asked for a whole bunch of crap from from the real newsroom to fill it with. So, yeah. You know, can we get some semblance of authenticity? So they were sent all the like they sent printers and old stacks of paper and apparently they were, they, they were so the attention to detail was so close they had they'd even mocked up out of date phone books. And record really? books to put in in the room. That, that's cool. I really like those. I mean, half that stuff things. you'd never see, but it really helps, I guess, get the actors into a, into a role, mm. into the scene. Um, and I suppose in the, in a movie that. where the universe that you're showing is so important as a backdrop. Yeah, then... I mean, um, Jason Robards, he, so he he doesn't he doesn't appear properly. He doesn't get any lines. I think until about like half an hour into the film. But he's already been in the film, mm. in in the background. He said, he he apparently said, look, I am." Um, he said, "I'm playing the editor of this paper. I should be, even if I'm not, in, even if I'm in a scene, I should be in the newsroom, right, doing stuff because I'm the editor." That's really cool. So he he came in on days when he wasn't due to, he wasn't on the, uh, you know, on the call sheet, and would just sit in Bradley's office, or writing or, a novel. Or, <laughs> well, he, he, was, he apparently he said, apparently I spent, he said, I spent most, of, you know, I'd read or I'd wander around the newsroom. Taking notes or talking, you know, talking to the extras in the background. That's She's really like, cool. Is, is like, ben Bradley's supposed to be this presence in the newsroom. So I mean, yeah, that's a lovely really idea. Des- really deserved that best, you know, the best supporting actor yeah. win. He wor- he, worked hard for that. It was just, you know, sounds like he was there. actually editing a newspaper at one point. He managed to get, I mean, <laughs> got a couple of periodicals out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the New York Times poached him shortly <laughs> after. Who is that guy? He's incredible. Robards in as a cub reporter. Yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. Pull, pull, at the end, pulls his uh, face off. His Guy Henry underneath, and I would have got away with it. <laughs> you damn kids, <laughs> Robert Redford and. <laughs> Um, so I think I mean, and and basically what that does, that kind of a, that, you know that level of devotion from the actors, that level of that attention to de- detail from the production designers, a- adds to the performances. It does, and you yeah. get you know I mean you, it's just it really it, it just feels all very authentic. I mean and I mean it's it, Spielberg tries very hard in in the post to make it look very seventies. It's all shot kind of everything's very sepia and and like how you <laughs> how we think the seventies seventies are very you know it conjures yeah. up the seventies. All the President's Men was actually filmed in the 70s, so you don't need, you don't need everything looks a lot Yeah, you don't newer. need to worry about the course, actual... You know, of course, it was like that. The, the overthinking you know, of those sets. Because um, they do, don't they? When, we, when, when filmmakers make period pieces, they always overthink. Yeah, Spielberg's piece, the post feels very period. Um, I thought Sam Tyler was going to be wandering it, around it, here at one looks, point. It looks, it, looks, I mean, it looks almost older than all the President's Men does. Yeah, because um, everything has to be emphasised, I suppose, whereas you yeah. say they can just kind of get on with it in the yeah. background. Yeah, I was going to say, because this only came out, like, you know, was, all the President's Men was con- contemporary to what had just been happening, you know. It was, um, so, yeah, but, but both, both very good um, depictions, I think, of, of journalism. Should we bob it? We should definitely, I think. Yeah. Okay, go on then. Well, the post, um, I'm giving three bob. I think it's a three bob film. The, the you know, the, obviously the performances from Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep are as you'd expect them to be. They're they're great. Um, Odenkirk is a great, is a wonderful surprise um, as as Bagdakian. Um, it's just a shame, as I said, we, we've already covered. You know, that Paulson is wasted as Mrs. Bradley. Um, there doesn't feel there's a lot of like it, it feels like 
a lot of half-baked ideas come yeah. together in, in a not quite satisfying, um, you know, finished pie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but you it, it, still, it, it's it's a it's not a bad film. It's what you said though. It's fine. It's nothing more than that. Yeah. But when you look at the sum of its parts, like I do think that we've got. If there was going to be a time at the moment, like within the next little while, the time is now for this film. Mm. So you've got a great time, you've got a great director, you've got Meryl Streep, probably the greatest actress ever, or certainly the greatest actress of her generation, Tom Hanks, ditto, plus all of these excellent supporting um, actors at the yeah, same time. Yeah. And yet it feels a bit nothingy. And I do think, it, I'm going to give it three bob too, but I do think what a waste, what a wasted opportunity. If only of, they had... If only it had more time to do it, if only they'd started a lot earlier. Yeah. Or even if just... Spielberg, yeah, and Spielberg perhaps had maybe acted as a producer and thought, you know what, I can get this film made because I'm Steven Spielberg. I haven't got the time because I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but mm. get someone else in to do it. I don't know. I just feel, I feel like there is a better movie waiting underneath the scab, perhaps, of this movie. It's a shame. But neither is it a bad movie. No, um, no, no. no. I, and I think, I, I, think, I think Spielberg would have to try very hard to make a bad film. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're, and I think that's coming out in a couple of months, isn't it? <laughs> He's tried bloody hard on that one, <laughs> from what I understand. Um, all the President's Men, on the other hand, uh, for Bob. Yeah, same. It's um, a cracking movie. I mean, it really is incredibly, incredibly good. It's a sh- it does have its flaws. It's a shame about... The, I would have perhaps liked to have seen them cover the entire thing. Um, but, I mean... You, you, you you just sit there and really enjoy the kind of the, the, the it is thrilling and there you know there's what the journalists as detectives and trying you know um, trying to be responsible and um, basically you know showing and the what, courage of that and what what that means yeah, really showing what good journalism can do a bit both you know both these things um, and as I you know just to sneakily mention Spotlight again but you know these films are dep- you know they're, they're telling these stories and showing the good journalism can do and and the way that journalism can change countries and and attitudes and 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 events for the good dads describing films well done perfectly performed thank you very much uh, live <laughs> <laughs> and and following on our ron seal style segments uh, any new listeners this is where Either well, a few years ago we kind of how how was this like right at the beginning of the radio days we started to realise this that our fathers were kind of broken up from birth apparently but they seem to share a very very idiosyncratic view of movies yes yet to meet they, and yeah, discuss I, these I think that we said before there'd be like a cause and event <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hello mate <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah it's like uh, in the same way that Kim Jong-un and Trump should never be in the same room I think uh, Bob Preston and um, Mr. John Orton should never actually meet face to face but mm. Bob Preston very much the Trump figure I think <laughs> yeah absolutely fire and fury at the moment uh, so what we do is every now and then we return back to our respective homes interview our dads on films that they've seen yes get them to sum those films up take the title away play them to each other and it's the it's the, yeah, the they're not allowed they're not allowed to say the title of the film nor the or characters name the characters in that's it. right but they can say actors yes. and give a loose version anyway so it's the uh, it's the um turn of my father so he's going to Describe some films to Dan it's now. Three films, right? There are three movies. We'll yeah. do them one. Yeah, I'm going to hear one. We'll do... You're going to hear listeners. You'll hear it as well. Play along at home <laughs> if I'm you gonna, can. I'm going to try and guess. And We're then... in conversation with Waddington as we speak. Um, this is about animals, <laughs> um, no humans. It was set. Uh, It was all, I think it was a lot of it was to do with who's going to be the king. Um, and there's a lot of roaring. There's a lot of roaring. Uh, <laughs> That's the tagline. And there was two brothers. One was good and one was bad. But, I, yeah. but they're not really brothers. They're like... No, they were. Yeah, but you, you can't call animals brothers, can you? <laughs> Chicken. Okay, they were brothers. And uh, one was good and one was bad. Mm. In the end, <laughs> the good one got killed. <laughs> and then the bad one wanted to be king. Yeah, that was not um, the end though. And I think the son of the good one eventually grew up and became king. What did he do before, whilst he, he was growing up? Uh, you remember? This no. is agonising. Where did he go and live? He went and lived with. He lived with the monkeys. <laughs> he did. 
Oh no, that was that was the other thing. Where did he? That's no, that's uh, Alabaloo. Yeah, Alabaloo. <laughs> I want to be like you. Yeah. What? what oh, he's did, singing now. Where he's did singing. the lion go live with? The lion went to live with. Um, I don't know. But he, he held him up in, on the mountain. Yeah. He said, yeah, son. This is going to be yours one day. Yeah. And then he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's obviously um, yeah, the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the Lion King. That's the Lion King. Um, yeah, although I that should is the say, most truncated. Well, it, I think he's pitching to John Favreau. I think that's what <laughs> what that was. I think this is Disney's new reimagining. I think I've, I, I, don't know, I feel like my life was ebbing away from me. Listening to him describe that. What was in it such at the end? Painful goes, detail. The, um, Simba, who went to go and live with the monkeys. Live with the monkeys. No, wait, that's Alabaloo. Yeah, that's the other one. Who Who is Alabaloo? I think I don't know if that's a new uh, new for Christmas. Just, oh, yeah, the Lion King. Well done. Okay. Good God. Right. Okay, so this here's is the next, um, number two. This is the next one. I oh, know that is a good film. Then there's. Uh, can I say who's it? Who's in it? You can say the actors, but you can't say the characters. <laughs> oh, Marlon Brando. Yeah. He was the chief. He was the big boy. He played the Don. And, uh, That's a giveaway. He was a spin-off. <laughs> Wait. Was a spin-off? Only Fools and Horses, he played him in the... Yeah, name? they're not related, though. No. You're talking about Miami twice, aren't you? Yeah, but he was, uh, he, he was a Don as well. What is he talking uh, about? He like. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with, with this film, though. No. You're interjecting. No, but it just, it just reminded me, see <laughs> Was that it? It might be. Hang on, pause. That, that, that's, that it. Is, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> that, that was it. So, yeah. Marlon Brando is the chief. Yep. He's the Don. He's the chief, the Don. But he, he was but, also... He was but also but in, Dan and Rodney remade it <laughs> several also, years later. It's also the Tony Falls Norse's Christmas special. But, so, you, I'll have your guess. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, presumably he's talking about the Godfather. He is. Well done. <laughs> what? Wasn't talking about the Godfather. Was most spent mostly talking about Miami twice. Yeah. Um, but I think he thinks that David Jason played the same role as Marlon Brando. Do you remember? Do you remember that episode of Only Fools and Horses? Yeah, yeah, but he. He doesn't. He doesn't. He plays no. a totally different character, which is kind of like a bit of a parody of a you know Marlon Brando Corleone style. Don. He didn't actually think that... I think he thinks... That, that character the, yeah, is Don Collier. I think he thought that, that Jason brought him out of retirement in Guy Henry-style fashion. Good God. Uh, so there you go. And you've got one more. One more to, to play for. <laughs> no, you can't say the entire... Start again. <clears throat> Cancel that bit. Go on then. Um, is it the first one? The first one. Right. It was a young man uh, who... Dream to becoming the world class boxer, yeah. and then after a lot of uh, training and whatever, he become heavyweight champion, become uh, very famous, and then he used to have a lot of he had a lot of ridings on the way, but he always won. Typical American, yeah, see, <laughs> typical American. Bob Preston, a film critic for twenty eighteen. Oh my, well that's that's Rocky. Well done. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> For everything Which else, Bob Preston has seen. <laughs> he has seen Rocky. Yeah, that's one of the few films I think he's seen the whole way through. So that that was uh, Dad's describing films. Next up, John Alton. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm going to go and lie down and, and curl up. In you know the that your hair position. is entirely white now. <laughs> You've seen some stuff. Why do we do this? <laughs> Can't understand you, but it looks bloody good. Thanks, Bob Preston. I, was say, I think I might get my dad's in for that jingle. So we're going to speak about a movie. I teased earlier uh, that All the President's Men was a movie that we'd kind of loosely spoken about before. Mm. And actually, The Wave is similar in that fashion. We actually spoke about this movie some time ago now yeah. uh, for Expression FM when we used to do Friday Night Film. This was our Can't Understand You, but it was yeah, a really yeah. good movie yeah. when it was on BBC iPlayer or something like that. This was some years ago, though. Oh, I mean, this would have been 2010. Yeah, probably. When um, And this movie came out in 2008. It is a German movie called The Wave. Mm. Uh, and it's it, it's a modern retelling of a psychological experiment that happened in America in the 1950s. And the experiment was supposed to look at why Nazism went viral in the way it, the way it did, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, although... 
this is a kind of dramatization, would you say, of that experiment? Well, it, it it's it, slightly different. I mean, it's set, the settings are different. It, yeah, it, I mean, it takes looking, the the idea. The themes. I wouldn't say it was a dramatization of the experiment. It's looking at the themes and the ideas of it. But this is this is a te- this is a teacher basically deciding. Herr Wenger, <laughs> Herr Wenger, yeah, decides. Who he thinks it's a good idea to. Um... Well, he's an anarchist, isn't he? Um, <laughs> or at least he was in his youth, and he's kind of this cool. He's a cool teacher, you know, and we know that Dan because he wears a leather jacket yes. and has a Ramones you know, T-shirt you know, on. You know, it will get, get, get help me get down with the kids is if I recreate the Third Reich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in two thousand and eight. Yeah, and you know what? He he is the coolest teacher, Dan. I think he has he has a very cool car. Remember that? Yeah. And in the opening credits, he's singing. Um, and as a secondary school teacher, Dan, I can tell you that if there are three things that make you <laughs> the coolest person in the world to and endear you to teenagers, it's that. And Nazism. And Nazism, <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, so he's a history political or something like that teacher. And as a summer project, basically the time in term where, you know, teachers have given up and students have followed suit or vice versa. He is he wants to teach anarchism to the to the kids he was an anarchist protester in his youth Mm. but we find out that this kind of stuffy older teacher um who's a little bit more by the books and a bit dusty and a bit old school uh he's a a square he's a bit of a square dan yeah and we know that because he doesn't own any ramones he doesn't he doesn't know he's more of a springsteen fan (laughs) and his suits are always nicely pressed and things like that uh, he gets in there first and he's got these like lesson plans and everything and despite herr wenger's protestations um he is given autocracy to teach anyway uh he decides in in experimental fashion that instead of just chalking and talking for seven days he is going to create or recreate a autocratic system within his classroom what could possibly go wrong Uh, that's the very first thing that's (laughs) ever gone wrong in germany Uh, (laughs) yeah and so in in 2008 um, kind of things unfold and, and as Dan says there kind of mayhem ensues yes. what starts off as a kind of interesting psychological social experiment starts to kind of take on a mind of itself and yeah and, and, and things do start to go wrong and things do, do start to get very dramatic very quickly um, I rewatched this movie Mm. Actually, it, at school, I played this to a group of year nine students as part of our Key Stage 4 film club. Since been fired. <laughs> well, I actually seized control, <laughs> Dan, um, and, and there are posters being pamphleted around the, uh, the local area. I've got, got images of you, like uh, full military John uniform Hurt-esque character from, from Viva Vendetta. Uh, I, I, Big TV screen, just bellowing orders. I, 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 I like to see me more as uh, the death of Stalin, I think, <laughs> is the Key Stage 4 film club, yeah. All of these 14 year olds desperately trying to assume control. Whilst I'm just dead in the background, yeah. Yeah. No one cares. But it's uh, it. This is still a great movie. I don't think it was a perfect movie because I think that even my quandary of being able to define exactly what it is—is it a dramatization of this social experiment that happened in America? Is it just a dramatization of Nazism? Is it even a look at? contemporary German teenagers having to look at this kind of dreadful facial scar of the Third Reich that they kind of still have to wander around with despite the fact they've got nothing directly to do with it. And I suppose in post the post-esque fashion, the director kind of gambles for all three. But I actually think that the final point that I bring up there of... I mean, when I, I was about 20, I suppose, or 21 when I saw this movie, mm. um, it came out when I was 18, and it deals with... They're probably about 16, 17, aren't they? Um, I thought that that was easily the most fascinating strand of seeing these teenagers questioning their ancestral history. Yeah, uh, yeah. Still kind of... It's still being within living memory, but kind of having to ultimately rebel and say, well, why Why are we still being dragged into this? Why do we still care? Why? Why is this not something that we can kind of slither away from? That's the thing that interested me the most yes. about this and I mean, that's, a, that's an ongoing... I mean that theme itself has come up again in recent years. I think in America we have, you know, American uh, society are sort of getting you know, very, getting very up. Well, white Americans are getting very uppity about why they should have to still be wonder, you know, still be dealing with slavery and answering for mm. for the uh, the the actions of of the um, of their you know of their ancestors in the in the South and and the North and so on. Um, but didn't ben, and, and, and ben Affleck get caught up in all of that at some point? Oh, he might have done. Ben yeah. Affleck gets caught up in it. He, <laughs> yeah, he, that and Justice League just about <laughs> finished him off, didn't it? <laughs> he's gone to ground now. I we'll never see him again. Um, <laughs> we're also seeing the same the same thing happen here with um, attitudes to the British Empire mm. and 
and the way that Britain basically went around and trampled over pretty much most of the world. And whereas before this was all wonderful and, and patriotic and, and isn't this great, we're seeing backlashes to this. Um, I still think that of the wave, I've seen this film about three or four times now. The first time I ever saw it was when you introduced it to me in our in our old radio days. Yes. And coming to it now, I still enjoy the movie a lot, but I still see it more as a bag of ideas rather than a finished movie. Um, I'm just going to delve into some spoilers now. So if you just want to retain the integrity of this movie, you perhaps want to skip on to the next uh, feature. But there is a subplot that goes on in this movie where the school misfit or the class misfit, yeah. uh, he he's kind of um, he's still trying to find his place within within the universe, uh, not unlike many of the teenagers depicted. But the screenwriter ends up depicting them as kind of um, almost in Breakfast Club style as like stereotypes. <laughs> You've got the jock with his kind of prissy uh, girlfriend, yeah. and this guy's the kind of like sad loner nerd. Um, and and then they start to bridge gaps through the wave. The wave being a euphemism for the Nazi Party, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, what, this... it's what they decide to call the uh, the movement, the, the movement, the party. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, within the time frame, which I think is only Monday to Friday, if I remember it correctly massive seismic change happens you know like hitler would have been proud what what he did, achieved in six years herr wenger achieves in five days you know the only rival to that is what god did in six days i think what the manage what the wave manages to um to do but amongst this stere- these stereotypes and and the very cliche I love, like, I love that. There you go. one room of view podcast where you can hear comparisons uh to the to <laughs> between fascism and the creation of the universe <laughs> punctuated by richard nixon impressions that we are offering something that something for everybody so it's like there's, there's no other corner of the internet that we know of that does this uh, but anyway, that's true <laughs> so that is, a, that is a take what the what the wave a hot one indeed uh, what the wave ends up depicting as i say amongst these kind of this debris of cliche mm. and stereotype uh, it it focuses on this this character who becomes magnetized and radicalized by the wave movement and if you remember there's a final scene where things do go dramatically wrong yes and it is a scene in which herr wenger is supposed to show is the i told you so you know these students all of which shouted at him down on monday saying how could fascism ever rise again in modern day germany and saying it could never do so have now joined this autocratic movement and therefore he's proved them wrong. But this opens the door of this guy not being able to um, give up the wave, and he shoots someone before shooting himself. And you're kind of like, did we need that? Mm. It seems like it ends up going into this soap operatics, and it ends up slapping us around the face with the message of fascism is not needed in (laughs) secondary schools in (laughs) Germany, nor should it be anywhere. Um, But yeah, other than that, a kind of fascinating film. I think you're absolutely right. It is a film of ideas, and they are very interesting ideas, and they are mostly pulled off, depicted incredibly well. Any film, I think, that leaves you spark, you know, sparks discussion and leaves you basically talking about the things it is presenting um, is a is a good movie in my book. Yeah, um, I agree. And and saying that, I have come back to this film several times since Dan showed me this. I mean, it must it must be getting on for eight years ago yeah. now, Dan, mustn't it? Yeah. Seven, eight years ago, something like that. And so that's why it's our foreign film pick of this month. Yes. It's and just a nice say, idea. Sorry, did you say you'd shown it to your class? I did. Well, I showed um, it to the students that come students, to the film so club. So yeah. what, what was the sort of... I, I'm curious as to what the reaction by them was they really enjoyed it well, the way the that discussions came out of it the way that they some of them listened to this podcast i've inadvertently found out so oh, right, if you well. are listening can you get on with your homework perhaps instead of listening to this but the way that we run key stage four film club i don't think they were fans then i'll be honest with you <laughs> so anyway so key stage four film club is the way that we run it is that we all bring a film and then we choose one it's the anti-fascism done yeah and uh anyway so i brought in the wave and they chose it and they all seem to get on really well with it they really enjoyed it and what would have been better is if you'd have imposed that one on them that week that's homework you know, that's <laughs> homework next week dan but yeah so they did enjoy it and as i say listener uh, i'm not sure if it's available on any online platforms i i bought the dvd but you can get it for as mr orton would say or hair orton uh, for pennies <laughs> Right, housekeeping. Don't have a jingle for that. No, never have, never will. And so we need to sweep up yet again, Dan. What an awful mess. 
<laughs> paper everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's beginning to look more and more like the post, isn't it, in here? Yes. It so, more and more like Carl Bernstein's pockets. And the other. What are we, we wanted to briefly mention about what we're excited for this year. Uh, yes. We've got loads of bits and pieces lined up for the monthly podcast. We've actually managed to sit down and work out the trajectory. Got, yeah, most of it all mapped out, you know, give all, you know, as long as, you know, things don't, you know, release dates don't change and, yeah. and war know, isn't declared. War isn't declared or the films aren't, you know, cancelled or, I'll be honest or with someone you. turns out to be a sex pest. Yeah, and I'm worried about that. I'm more, more and more worried about that. But I, I, um, I'm really excited about the schedule. It, having sat down with you and looked at the calendar and looked up the, the film release dates, I think that we've managed to get a real eclectic mix going up to August. Yes, and I mean there are some big ones. Um, obviously, we've got I mean half a dozen bloody Marvel films coming out. Yeah, that's uh, true. To look forward to Infinity War in the spring, Black Panther very soon. I'm more um, and more excited for Black Panther. I keep seeing the trailers now everywhere. That comes out is it the beginning of next month? I believe so. It? Yes. Yeah. I can't wait for that movie. Yeah. And uh, Infinity War, as you say, that seems to be the culmination. That feels like a graduation party almost, yeah, doesn't well, Black it? Black Panther, I think, is going to act as something of a prologue, really, to the to to the film the, the big the big yeah it's the last movie you're right party uh, for Infinity War part one and we don't we have to wait another year for the next one um, films that we we don't, might not necessarily be discussing but I'm certainly looking forward to Isle of Dogs Wes Anderson's upcoming that debuts at the Berlin Ale mm. I don't know if we've got any I unfortunately can't make the Berlin Ale this year after uh, last year I don't think I'm allowed to say it sounds like you've been and me just lobbed out of uh, <laughs> the German, German state capital there but uh, no and um, with good cause I, I'm not sure if we've got a representative from Orwav or if it's uh, if anyone's going along but you're right Isle of Dogs looks really great mm. I'm looking forward to that mm. uh, we will be saying goodbye to Daniel Day-Lewis apparently um, yes. next month because Phantom Thread is out. Yep. Um, but there's lots and lots of things. Solo, which I think I am kind of morbidly <laughs> curious about now, comes out in April, May time, doesn't it? And still, as of time no, of recording, no trailer, no, trailer, no, no poster, trailer, no nothing, pictures, it's, nothing. Uh, it's all going well there. Yeah. <laughs> These happy days are yours and mine indeed, <laughs> Mr. Howard. But there's a lot to look forward to. Um, talking of which, there's a lot to look forward to on the site. If you are a new listener, we are the official podcast of a one room with a view.com a film critic based website yes um you can find it at www.oneroomwithaview.com like them on facebook one room with a view you can follow them on twitter dan at one room with a view and you can even follow can you do you follow someone on instagram we were talking about this before uh, i think you can yeah i think it is following them on instagram yeah, yeah. that's the parlance yeah the it's, kids use it's a little too stalkery for for me but you're a bit more of an instagram whiz than i am that you're very kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, By anyway. virtue of having it, because uh, well, I you... <laughs> I have it, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Oh, right, I don't yeah. really get it. Um, anyway, so you can follow on Instagram, one room with a view. Dan, you're on Instagram. You're on Twitter. Yes, both both handles are Mister Orton, M I S T E R. O-R-T-O-N. Yeah, just following me on Twitter, though. You don't get much on... I, I, I find that with Instagram, I'm just endlessly posting Simpsons quotations. So, yes, I've, and there are, I've, I've muted you. I was going to say, there are far better, far better outlets. Um, the Simpsons being one of them. It's <laughs> great say, shows. Channel 4, yeah, I think, have picked up, <laughs> picked up on it. <laughs> yeah, um, you can see many of the Nixon impersonations I've done there already to go on classic Simpsons. Other than that, Dan... If you want to bung us an email, yes. podcast at one room with a view dot com. I'm hoping someone will track down that Robert Redford poster. Yes, for tell me. us. Yes, that we need, must solve this mystery. But other than that, we will see you bright and early next month. Cheerio. Cheerio.